Ah, recording in three, two, one. Hi, how are you? Doing okay? Hanging in there? Doing, feeling okay with all these trouble trying times? Well, guess what? Myself, Vince Talley, and my friend Jaw Rule here are going to help you through it with the underpaid and the underqualified. Da-dum. Holy crap, that was really creepy, and I wish you never would do that again. <laughs> I wish you would have nailed that sentence so it would have followed up with how smooth my intro was, Joe. I was just flabbergasted at how the <laughs> intro was then presented, and it was actually kind of a little creepy. I felt uncomfortable. Uh, I think it's a little strong. It's my false sympathy. Maybe that's why you find it that way, because it disturbs you when I have the false sense of sympathy. <laughs> false sense of sympathy. I don't know. It, it sounded very... um. It was just weird. It was just a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah, try to switch it up, Joe. <laughs> boring times at home you know you can only do so much trying to switch it up but before we harp we should just have an episode where we harp on the intro for the whole episode what do you think <laughs> <laughs> i think this could be it <laughs> are you about five minutes in right have like one episode where it's like we had an idea and then we realized it sucked so we're just going to bash <laughs> on ourselves for the next about 30 minutes and go with that that could be legendary there's been so, that's like an experiment in media there's been uh did you ever watch the wire um why does that sound so familiar is that like a tech thing uh no it's a tv show that was on hbo often regarded as like one of the top five greatest shows of all time i think i don't know maybe a little strong in terms of the top five ranking but yeah i'm like that's that's pretty uh it's pretty high up there dude yeah it had idris elba I'm trying to think who else was on i don't know it was a it was a show it was a kind of political socio-economic commentary kind of show and uh, they had one scene where it's two detectives going in a house and they, all they say is fuck the entire scene <laughs> for like five minutes. They just look at different things. They're like, fuck, 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 fuck. I actually kind of want to watch that later on YouTube, just that one segment. <laughs> based my yeah. entire perspective on the show, which. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe us having an episode where we just talked about the intro will be as monumental of a moment as that was. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Anyways, how are you doing? How are you holding up? I'm okay. You know, it's been an interesting week. Uh, I, it's weird times for sure, but I uh, can't complain too much. Started tried to start my car this morning and uh, didn't start. And I was uh, a little annoyed because I was planning to go on a nice big nine to ten mile run, get the get the weekend started off right. Car not starting at all, not even a hint of a dome light coming on. So I'm like, well, that sucks. God damn it! And uh, I called AAA on a whim. Came by, and uh, that was the quickest they'd ever come by. They fixed the car within about 30 minutes. It was just a dead battery, and luckily it was in the three-year warranty for my current battery, so all done for free, and we're good to go. So can't complain, Jeff. Very nice. I'm glad. It's funny because, like, my roommate actually had a a dead battery earlier this week, Um, and so I had to help him jump his car, uh, give him a ride to work and stuff. He lost my tools, that asshole. Damn. Um, wow. That's what, what a way to repay the favor. <laughs> actually, yeah, no, he, I was a little bit butthurt about that for a few days because <laughs> he's the kind of guy that likes to give you sass. And then since I work in customer service, I'm like, I only have so much tolerance for sass outside of work per day. <laughs> yeah, you're infringing on my normal, my reserves of handling sass. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then he was kind of sassing about like how he, he's like, oh, I did put the tools in your car. I'm like, no, nah, I checked. There's nothing. He's like, why don't you drive your car around? And I look then and I'm like, how about I just give you a lot of crap for the next day for <laughs> suggesting that? Cause I, I was just like, I'm kind of done with it. Right yeah. Now, but. 
You know, I'd be happy to say you're in the wrong job, but right now I can't say you're in the wrong. I think you're right here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Monumental <laughs> moments. <laughs> you know, so special. Their first bonding moment of 20 some odd episodes. But uh, how are you doing, Joe? How's your life going? Um, that's the part where I fear for my friends who work in healthcare. Personally, I'm still enjoying the staycation. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people who are like, yeah, I'm kind of enjoying it. But then now this week, I think for some of them, it's nearing their breaking point. And I'm sitting here like, I just bought a new video game. This can go on for another month and I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I, yeah, I can see that. What's the video game? <laughs> uh, Final okay, Fantasy so everybody 20. right now is like, all, all hopped on Animal Crossing basically to build a new home for themselves and a virtual platform and to go into <laughs> debt to a raccoon and try to screw over the stock market in the game for peaches and turnips or something, right? Then there's Final Fantasy, which just literally came out this week, which everybody's on because if you guys know Final Fantasy VII, for the people who are gamers or remotely close to the word, uh-huh. you guys know that Final Fantasy VII is one of the pinnacle games where they transitioned from... Dungeons and Dragons motif to more futuristic. Oh, it's like Westworld. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's like uh, futuristic like, mixed with magic mixed still with that D and D feel. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's and funny. So, I was just kidding when I threw out Final Fantasy, but there actually is a new Final Fantasy. <laughs> oh no! So it's a it, so Final Fantasy Seven is a big turning point. It's a fan favorite. It's it's one of the better ones that people have liked. Oh. And so this is the uh, part one of the remake of interesting. that. Interesting. Okay, so it's a lot of nostalgia for people who used to play back in the day, I'm guessing. So, based on the limited research that I actually knew going in, um, they kind of actually, so I thought it was a remaster. So, new graphics, slapped it on, mm-hmm. and people are like, oh, sweet, because we're going to go on the nostalgia train, let's play it. I was going to buy it eventually, but um, it turns out it's actually a remake of the game. So certain aspects oh. of the game did change. I'm not sure if the story changed too much. Okay. It might be. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, so a lot of people are playing that now. Interesting. And I chose to go against the current and I bought a game that came out last year only because it's on sale now. And I happen to have PlayStation credits to buy it. So it was only a dollar on top of my gift card. Mm. Is that a nice way of saying you're too cool for the mainstream crowd and you go the hipster way? <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm, I'm, it just says I'm a cheap bastard, really. But <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I'll go for that. But um, yeah, so, actually, uh, I was just going to say, I actually have a weird vendetta against Final Fantasy because when I was in elementary school, like the two kids I hung out with in like first grade both played Final Fantasy and I never knew what they were talking about. My, pam- my family was too cheap to buy any video games, so I never knew what the fuck they were talking about the whole time. So I've kind of hated Final Fantasy ever since. <laughs> oh, you ever had yeah. stuff like that? I mean, I grew up poor, so there was a lot of stuff like that that I kind of got in later. Okay. Which is kind of why, like, I don't buy a lot of games. Okay, so a lot of games that people, like, may pre-order, like, highly anticipate, I don't really do that anymore. I mean, I did that maybe a couple of times. And yeah. turned out the games that I did pre-order turned out the bomb and nobody ever played them. So I'm like, all right, screw you all. Like Red Dead Redemption? Is that one? Oh, no, that's, like, everybody loves it. It's, like... I have a lot of people telling me that I should be playing it now. Huh, Conan, um, Conan O'Brien, do you watch him at all? I heard about him and I, he did a whole segment on like playing video games and stuff. Like there's an episode where he played with Marshawn Lynch on Mortal Kombat. Yeah. He also did Red Dead Redemption. And I think he said it sucked. If I'm thinking of the right clip, I think he said it sucked and there was like nothing to do at all, <laughs> which I'm surprised by. Cause I heard a lot of the game seemed to have a lot of hype. Oh, no, a lot of people love it. Um, <laughs> they say it's a great story. It's very realistic like realistic to the point where you have to take care of a horse and like take care of yourself, like hygiene. Huh. 
Sounds kind of boring. <laughs> take uh, care of your horse. Take care of yourself. That's not what I look for in a video game. But it's a story. People really enjoy the story. Um, uh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, no. So uh, I decided to buy a game called Jump Force. And if you guys know anything about anime, you guys know what Shonen Jump Do you know what Shonen Jump is, Vince? I do. Yeah. I used to read it when I was in like sixth grade. I, I, I don't know why I got out of the habit. I kind of miss those comics. Wow. I'm going to give you a site later. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> this was actually, before the internet was a thing. Actually, no, there's a lot of websites that uh, got shut down. So I'm not sure. I can give you something. Anyways. No. Right, so cool. um, it's, it's basically a game where it came out last year. It bombed, but I'm like, screw it. You know what? I'm a nerd and I'm going to play it. <laughs> and it's on sale. And so it's a, it's a, it's a, game where it comprises of all the shonen jump characters so like popular uh, animes or manga like naruto right. one piece dragon ball is in there yep um well i guess I, I think i saw an instagram snap of you had of like roni kenshin versus uh goku yeah so my i was playing the game it's funny i am better with characters with swords <laughs> so i only play <laughs> with characters with swords that's fair did you ever do like a martial art growing up yes did you have uh, swords as a weapon that they trained you with? More bow stuff, but um, yeah. I have I mean, two swords. No... I actually have a katana from Taekwondo. <laughs> oh, nice! I have hook swords in my uh, closet somewhere. Well, that's pretty cool. I was yeah. wondering if maybe, like in real life, you're better with swords too. Uh, actually, no. Probably, uh, <laughs> so not really weapons. I never really did too much. But if I had to choose one that, like, to make myself "quote unquote" look cool, it would be bow staff. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. We had a stat. We had long staff. We had like a, I forget what it was called, like a short staff type of thing. Nunchucks. Uh, there was a knife, <laughs> like a plastic knife you could use. I don't know. I don't think anyone ever used that. And a sword. I mean, like nowadays, it's pretty realistic. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you're in England. That's true, I guess. But uh, anyways, before we get to sidetrack, yeah, about the video game. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I've been playing that. And then ever since like, I'm playing, it's basically a, a fighter game. I'm playing a lot of that. Basically, I got mediocre reviews, but I'm enjoying it. I'm still not bored of it. I've played, I'm playing any today, but I played two days straight of it. Hmm. Um, yeah, so screw you guys who pre ordered get, uh, all the games. I'm playing this game that came out a year ago. Yeah, fuck it. It's probably a lot cheaper. And I don't know, that's a good way to get, your, get out your aggression during these times, right? <laughs> oh, no, it's great. I, I'm just very happy with it. I'm probably going to play more of it later after this uh, recording. I'm going to yeah. Lie. Yeah, it's a good way to deal with customers you can't handle, right? <laughs> We're pissing you off. Get those yeah. frustrations up. Definitely. And I like just killing people. Anyways. <laughs> wow, who's creepy now? Anyways, um, yeah. So with these times, and speaking of video games, me and Ja do, uh, did a lot of what we usually do, even when there's not a quarantine, which is watch TV <laughs> and movies. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And uh, because we're not what you call geniuses we're thinking of new exciting topics we just thought let's just catch people up on what we've been watching lately so we're gonna divide it into jaw talking about some movies you saw i believe it was eight movies you've recently seen right jaw yes correct all right. all right and i've seen two tv series which probably equal out to equal amount of hours <laughs> between eight movies but um uh yeah and also some songs i've been listening to lately so uh covering the whole gambit here we got movies tv music what else could you want people right Oh, you know what? I'm going to up up the ante. I'm going to talk about nine movies because one just occurred to me. Oh, fuck. God damn it. We went over the edge. Giving too much information here, Joe. Strap yourselves in, gentlemen. I'm also <laughs> drinking right now. It's <laughs> a good way to start. All right. You want to get this thing going, Joe? I might have just poured myself too much whiskey. That's the best way to start it off, I think. <laughs> I'm also killing that proper 12 you gave me. Nice. 
from like a year ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It takes me forever to get rid of like liquor because I'm always like, okay, I got to watch what I'm consuming right now. But since um, I want to finish this so I can work on the next bottle because mm-hmm. I don't like to leave multiple bottles open just yeah. weird like that. Uh-huh. I'm a completionist in that way. So yeah. Anyways, so I'll start off. And I'll start off with movies that I, I have a lot more to say. And to build off with that, all right. Do you like cars, Vince? Yeah, they're okay. I never got super into them, but I like the uh, idea of getting from point A to point B. <laughs> okay, well, this movie's not for you. And this movie's <laughs> called Ford versus Ferrari. <laughs> I knew it was going to be that one. But uh, no, I'd actually see that movie. It did interest me. But uh, this will be good to hear your take. Yeah, so actually, I really did enjoy it. Like, for me, it's like I'm a poor person, so I can't exactly appreciate buying a nicer muscle car nor can i afford a ferrari nowadays it's actually pretty cheap because you can buy something secondhand because i have a couple of car friends who are they spent way too much money on cars but hey they're teaching me stuff but anyways it's a good in my opinion overall i give this movie probably a uh, solid seven or eight probably an upper seven somewhere eight for this movie just because of um it's one of those movies where it's like okay you can probably guess it's a very predictable movie in that sense. Right. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's something that you're just still getting consistent, phenomenal acting from two very solid. Yeah. From very solid actors that, you know, going in that they've got experience going in. Right. So you got yeah. Matt Damon and you got Christian Bale and probably Christian Bale, not having to hide his accent as much since he's an Englishman. Oh, he's an English guy in the movie. Uh, Welsh. I mean, from like England, but I mean like England has different, uh, dot, uh, well, I just mean in the movie, he's not playing an American. He's playing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a little bit easier. I'm sh- sure for him a little bit, but anyways, so uh, I really did enjoy because for me, it's like, I do enjoy cars, but I'm definitely not a gearhead or a motorhead. And, but it's, it was still very enjoyable seeing like, Oh sweet. So this is what the day in the life of a racer is. I mean, like not straight up NASCAR per se, but this is the early days of NASCAR. Uh-huh. Um, seeing how like, the history of this new car, the Ford GT to be developed. Um, like there are other cars out there. And then just seeing this race of like American versus Italian. And of course this is loosely based on a true story and we don't know how much of it is true. Yeah. Okay. Seeing phenomenal acting, seeing a, a developed story going in and you know what the purpose is behind the story. It's like, okay, cool. This is a very enjoyable thing. And yeah, I definitely did appreciate it. So for people who want to watch a more mature movie, like if you people enjoy a mature bottle of wine with different flavors and palettes and persona, and I'm BSing right now because I just drink. <laughs> like the last time I went wine tasting, I just, people ask me, oh, you must have like a great nose for wine. I'm like, I'm the dude that's wearing a freaking like, looking like a frat boy holding a PLI bottle and just chugging wine. <laughs> Keeping it classy. All right. Yeah. So uh, you're trying, so if you're on your fancier side, you can appreciate board V Ferrari. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. It's definitely for more of an adult mature audience because okay. of just like, you're watching something that's loosely based on history and seeing just phenomenal acting in that sense. So yeah. I really did enjoy that. And if you do like cars, boom, bonus for you. Nice. Yeah. I've heard like actual like car experts, like have no complaints with that movie for the most part too. I haven't heard anyone say that it was like inaccurate or just kind of Hollywood eyes, which often happens. But uh, I saw one scene where they have the fight, the really like terrible fight uh, on the grass lawn and the wife <laughs> comes out and gets a launcher. Somebody made a funny comment too. It's just funny thinking like this is Batman and this is Jason Bourne. They're having like the weakest fight ever. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's a really funny scene. 
Because <laughs> the guy has like a Christian Bale's character has like a temper, which is funny because in real life he kind of does have a temper. Yeah. Um, seeing that, I'm like, <laughs> this is actually kind of fun to see the parallelism <laughs> if you know like how Christian Bale is on set because he can also be kind of a dictator about his acting and all that. Yeah, I've heard, to, to his credit, I've also heard that that one uh, Terminator incident, that dude was, like, really fucking up. <laughs> I mean, obviously, he shouldn't have gone as, as above and beyond as he did with, like, yelling at him and, like, really hating on him. But to his credit, the guy was really kind of dicking around, apparently. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of funny that <laughs> because that fight is not an impressive fight. It's a very, like, it's, like, one step below the cat fight with girls, like, flailing their arms at each other, right? I mean, at that point, it was... So, mini spoil spoiler alert. It's pretty much they were trying to reconcile something, and then basically Christian Bale has a hot-headed uh, character, and so Matt Damon is trying to um, basically extend an olive branch to say that hey, I'm sorry, I screwed up, and then you just have them just going at it for funsies. It's just like basically male aggression getting it out there, and then the wife coming. I'm like, yeah, I know my husband's like this. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'm just here for kicks and giggles now. That's true love. I hope I hope someday I have the same case for me <laughs> when I get in a fight, just knowing. <laughs> hey, you and I can get in a fight, and then we'll see if Christine walks out with a lawn chair and gives us coke later. Yeah, I think she would. All right, nice. I'm giving her a look right now, and she hasn't <laughs> said no, so, I mean, that must mean it's true. <laughs> can she hear me right now? Uh, no, she has her headphones in. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah. So Ford v, uh, Ford v. Ferrari sounds solid. Do you want to do, like, maybe one or two more movies, and I'll do my series? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Okay, so All the right. next movie that's a little bit more mature, but I wouldn't say it's a very good movie, but I appreciate what they did to it, which is Midway. And so it's another movie with a phenomenal cast. You have Aaron Eckhart, you have... Gosh darn, I forgot who else is in this movie. I'll Wikipedia it, because you're not a professional, apparently. Wait, give Midway. me a second. I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> no, you keep talking. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it in. Nick Anyways. Jonas? Is that way? <laughs> uh, he's not a bad actor. He's... Patrick Wilson. Woody Patrick Harrelson. Wilson was oh, Patrick Wilson was in this. Woody Harrelson was in this. Mandy Moore, middle school celebrity crush, yes. Luke uh, Evans. Wow, this has 42% of Ron Tomatoes. Jesus, what's going on here, Midway? Oh, Darren Chris, right. Darren Chris was in this movie, too. Anyway, so it, it had a really like very broad uh, cast ranging from old to young. So you have a lot of like older actors coming out here. And so the thing is that, so my qualm with this movie is that the pacing was kind of weird. Okay. And so it, 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 run, it ran parallel between the perspective of the American and the Japanese in World War II with the Battle of Midway. And so if you guys are familiar for the people who understand history and actually paid attention in U.S. history in high school, it's basically island hopping battle. So from like one destination to another, trying to gain ground more and more um, during World War II. And so it basically followed that. And what I liked and appreciate about the storytelling for this one is, is that it showed the perspective of the Japanese and the Americans. Um, so, which is very rare for a lot of movies because a lot of war movies, they tend to say, okay, since we're Americans, the other side is bad. And so we're typically going to portray them as bad. Very seldom that you see in a World War II, let alone any other war movies, that the other side is humanized. Yeah. right. And, and oftentimes they may show an aspect of it, but the screen time is like, added up to 10, minutes. 15 minutes, a few minutes. That's it. Yeah. But then versus this one, it's definitely a little bit more. And so you see a little bit, the perspective a little bit more. Definitely like the Japanese in the beginning was like, that was a stupid move. Why did we just piss off the Americans? <laughs> what the heck? Um, 
that was not a smart move. Okay. And before that, it also said, uh, the Japanese general said, watch what we're going to do in the future, basically alluding to that. Hmm. And so it, it really showed like the perspective of both sides. But because of that, I think that the, the pacing really made it take a hit, which is why like when I was watching it myself, I had a hard time really focusing on a lot of it. And so I appreciate what the attempt they did, but they kind of fell, uh, fell a little bit flat. And of course, if you guys know what happened in World War II, we did win. Fortunately, history, unfortunately, however you want to say that. Given history um, lessons on this podcast. I am a cultured man, like a fine bottle of wine. <laughs> that you chug with a Pedialyte. Hey, I mean, whatever to make sure I don't die. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So summarizing, um, sounds like you enjoyed the multiple kind of sides that they show, different perspectives that you don't usually get, but that uh, made the pacing suffer a bit. Yeah, so it's like, I think... They had a good idea, but they had a hard time tracking. And because they introduced so many characters, so like going off of Darren Chris, going off of uh, Nick Jonas, right? So I'm pretty sure they were casted in there as, oh my gosh, it's a heartthrob. I'm going to watch this, right? Yeah, probably. Um, it probably was just that. But at the end of the day, it was, um, yeah, no, it, it, it could have been better. And because the pacing kind of fell short of that. Yeah, Ron Tomatoes has it at 42%. So I think you're uh, aligned with a the consensus there. Yeah, so I, I can see why it got that low score, but yeah. I definitely do want to highlight the beauty that they try to capture, but... They attempted something. They tried. Didn't fully nail it, but they tried. Yeah. Okay, yes. fair enough. Uh, you want to go on one more movie? Uh, yeah, sure. All right. If I say Sega, what do you think of? Genesis. All right, close enough. Anyways, I'm going to talk about Sonic. I don't even know that's where not, I'm going with that. That's not true? <laughs> no, I mean, no, it is. It, it okay, is true. Okay. It was just, I didn't know what I was expecting. And I, after that came out of my mouth, I'm like, I don't know where I was leading with that. I just Fair didn't. enough. But I'm excited you said Sonic because I was like, God damn, that is a movie I'm curious about. Because I heard it wasn't that bad. Everyone was expecting the worst thing based on that first image result of Sonic. But I've heard the consensus was like, it's all right. It's a good family film. They like They made it work. So what's your thought, Joe? Okay, do you want me to talk about the controversy or not? Uh, you can if you want. I feel uh, like so, I pretty much just said it, right? <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> trailer. Everyone said it sucked. and then There's the a little bit more like, to it. Oh, okay. All right, feel free. All right, so um, for the people who knew Sonic who came out with the trailer like a year ago or something like that, it, it basically bombed because it was like... I think they try to copy like what a hedgehog would look like if they had sex with a human being <laughs> and what like fuckery it would produce. And so... <laughs> that's the original Sonic, like the original original for this movie that was uh, designed for this. Yes. And the internet basically was like, what the heck were you doing? <laughs> and so they went back to the drawing board and drew the Sonic as um, the original in the video game. And yeah. so closer to how the video game looks, but like still, you know? Yeah. So it was definitely a lot better. People definitely appreciate it. Was it, was it a game? Was it their uh, marketing strategy? Maybe. Was it like a ploy or whatnot? Who knows? I don't but think so. Just my two cents. Yeah, but definitely was a lot better. And um, but the controversy behind that was the studio that did it. Right, they basically worked, I think, twelve to sixteen hour days to try to get this done in months. So what a team that did in a longer time frame, they did in such a sh- in a shorter time frame. And so the company hauled ass. But at the end of the day, um. The studio laid them off. 
damn really holy shit yeah this has the controversy behind it oh so, wow i did not know that and so to bring awareness to that just um graphic designers get screwed pretty hard so they got laid up after they finished everything on like super crunch time yeah jesus wait so were they the same people that did the original or did they hire like different people do you know i don't recall it might have been a different team but okay. then sonic designer team yeah so i think they're also um they also worked on another project. I think they worked on Lion King. It was another, they worked on a lot of other stuff um, prior to that. But then it was like, oh, because of restructuring and stuff like that, we're going to close this branch. Wow. Um, was it uh, was it COVID-19 related or was it just? No, completely unrelated to COVID. Uh, it was basically from what all the blogs that I'm reading, this studio just has a, ha- has a reputation of abusing their uh, employees. So being ruthless. Um, Exactly. So like video game industry, same concept where like the graphics team or video game designers, they just abuse them. Hey, you did a good job. Deuces. <laughs> well, I wonder if graphic designers, I don't know. Well, I guess I actually do know a few, but I haven't asked them, but I, I get the impression they kind of have a more freelance type of structure. You know, it's not so much they expect to like stay in one gig for the rest of their lives. Sometimes they kind of know that it's like gig to gig type of thing, like whenever they're needed. I could be totally wrong about that. That's just the impression I get. I think it depends on the role. So it's like once you get into a major studio, you're thinking, sweet, I'm going to get assignments every day. We're going to be contracted all the time. It's going to be stable work. Mm-hmm. But then if you're not in that field, then, or at least in that uh, corporation yeah. uh, business, then yeah, probably it is a little bit more freelance. It's, but then from what I'm hearing, a lot of these people in the gaming industry and designer fields, designing fields, they're contractors, like two ex Twitter like, employees. Like we were. <laughs> exactly. No. Good okay. Times. So bring awareness to that so people if you appreciate the content that you guys are consuming anyways so the movie itself yeah it's exactly what you said it's um it's it it, it was a family-friendly movie it came out really well it i mean it's not the most thought-provoking movie compared to the other two that i freaking talked about <laughs> sure about that i don't know i could learn a lot from sonic jim carrey is a wise man <laughs> dude okay <sighs> Once I talk about the next movie, I'm going to talk about the differences between <laughs> the acting. Okay. Anyways, so Jim Carrey did a good job. He So recently, Jim Carrey has been very vocal against our current president, Trump. And he's, no way. Shut your mouth. <laughs> and he's, he's done some questionable artwork. Like, has he? I, oh, he's done like basically dead bodies, like weird abstract modern art stuff. All commentary. right. Fair enough. <laughs> and so, like, I, I kind of walked in the movie. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I hope Jim Carrey's in this crazy. I hope Jim Carrey isn't crazy. And so I watched it. I was like, oh, pretty good acting. All right. I mean, yeah. you're he's being himself almost. And so it's not that hard okay. for him. And if you're wondering, like, oh, does this actor have multiple dimensions? Uh, probably not. But did he nail it? I think he nailed it. Um, nice. That's good to hear. Yeah, no. So it's a good family-friendly movie. It's entertaining it's probably one of the better video game movies i think i watched but of course it's it's one of those things where it's like you want to take your six-year-old cousin to as opposed to hey i'm bored on this on date night let's go check out this movie i, I would not <laughs> recommend that unless you're like hardcore gamers who have been big fans of sonic but uh i could yeah i agree with that i didn't see it myself but that kind of aligns with every impression i've had better than invisible men <laughs> <laughs> my brother still would have a hard disagree there i'm sure but uh low-key thing if you're going to show him this podcast so i will start uh, stuff now i don't give a fuck <laughs> yeah not like i'm gonna meet him 
Uh, you never know. Maybe it'll be a guess. <laughs> Maybe you can have a debate episode about all about the invisible man. <laughs> Lord have mercy on my soul. All right, your turn, dude. All right. So uh, I focus on TV. Haven't really seen any movies, but uh, did a lot of binging of TV. So uh, one show I've always been a big fan of and thought was uh, one of one of the best shows of our time. Kind of a zeitgeist for modern TV, as good as it can be, and doing kind of just a representative example of how TV is getting better and better each year and how they're like writers. It's like more and more regarded as an art form, you know, in the nineties and eighties, those are like your typical sitcoms and then early two thousands, those reality TV shows. But ever since like the Sopranos kind of got the ball rolling on this idea that TV could be like a piece of art since then TV, you know, you got your breaking bads, you got the wire, you got boardwalk empire, all your HBO shows and things like that. It's just gotten better and better. And uh, this show in particular, I like to think that it was kind of a hidden gem amongst the ranks that um, kind of has a foot in every camp for what I like. It's well done. The story is very, very unique. Two, it's very timely. It's very relevant for the times we're at. Three, characters, very, very uh, unique, distinctive, memorable. Four, it's um, got a good sense of humor. Five, directing, really well done. The shots, just like you actually notice that the like you notice the directing sometimes you watch a movie and the directing doesn't really stand out this the way they like position the shots and the way they linger in shots during epic moments is very well done so uh without teasing more uh that show is a show called mr robot you heard of it Jeff? yes i have and i used to watch it nice how long did you get to uh definitely past season one i really did enjoy it i don't remember if i watched season two well, that was your mistake if you didn't, because season four is the show I just is the season I just binged, and it was the shit. I give it eleven out of ten if I could. Very well done, um, and I'm very surprised it didn't get more acclaim or more notoriety because it was one of the best finales I've ever seen um, in terms of just the concept and just everything about it just tied things up super nicely i'm very tempted to just reveal what it is but i don't know do you have any interest on seeing it in the in the future i don't know if i will watch in the immediate future but feel free to go ahead but i guess spoiler warning for our audience hardcore spoiler warning because i think this is really an ending that let me uh, okay i'm gonna try to not say spoilers because i don't want to ruin for anyone in case they do hear this but if i get spoilers i'll let you know so to me, this movie is um, kind of like the modern day Fight Club in terms of it did what Fight Club Fight Club's kind of motif was in terms of dealing with schizophrenia and just multiple personalities and dissociative identity disorder, like psychological states of mind, and applying that in a real context with like the modern times that we live in, with kind of how there's kind of an underlying theme in fight club about capitalism and like how to conforming to society and like protesting against that. And there's kind of a group that are like, uh, like trying to overcome that type of like discontentment they have with the world. And Mr. Robot does that exact same thing. But what's very relevant now, tech, tech is a huge thing. The idea of hacking, like, are we ever really safe? Like, are you, are you ever really secure? I mean, is all your, our whole lives are basically on the internet with like our whole livelihood is tied to the internet with how, you know, banks and, you know, social identity, um, um, uh, social security, that's what I meant to say. And have one hacker could get in and totally change your life and just like, just affect everything. So this really plays on that. And, um, every season there's kind of a big twist with like perceptions of what you think is actually there. And then kind of 
playing on that and really showing how what you think is there is not actually the case. So I just got spoiler alert. This is where I'll really give a spoiler alert. Um, so season one, you basically introduced a character named Elliot. Elliot is a hacker. Um, he's a little dark. He's a little weird. He's a little out there. He's kind of, he has a bug eyed look at all times. He kind of just seems like he's doesn't totally fit in. He goes to therapy regularly, has a little bit of depression. It kind of seems just as socially isolated, doesn't really fit in with people or connect with them. But one of the best hackers, uh, worked for a company called E Corp. And, uh, I think that was the name. I don't know. I haven't seen season one in a while, but um, yeah, works as a hacker, um, kind of protecting the security of their system and moonlights as a, uh, hacker who can use his abilities to like kind of do good in the world. Like the first episode, there's a guy who is, uh, like uses child pornography type of th- or downloads child pornography. And he, uh, kind of hacks him and finds that out and like kind of blackmails him into doing something good. Um, so he does that kind of thing a little bit. And the, in the first episode, he's like seeing an older guy, like everywhere he's at, like on the train, like near, um, like he'll just be walking down the street. He'll see the same guy. And that guy's Christian Slater, famous actor. And, um, later he later finds out that Christian Slater is not a homeless guy. He's actually this like mastermind behind this, uh, secret hacker group called F society. And they're kind of have some big operations to kind of hack into the world and kind of redistribute wealth and fix things. And ultimately the twist in the end of season one is you find out uh, <clears throat> that Mr. Robot um, played by Christian Slater isn't actually a person. He's just a persona in Elliot's head. So Elliot has been Mr. Robot the whole time. He kind of clicks. So like if Mr. Robot does something, Elliot won't remember it. And then if Elliot does something, then he's in control, but Mr. Robot's not control. So it's kind of two different personas battling out for like what this body does, but everybody sees it as Elliot. It's just, one of them, just two different personas battling out type of thing. Um, so for, uh, move forward to season four. Um, season four is just, I, it was, I kept putting it off because I knew it was going to be a very grand epic thing because each season has been consistently well done. And I knew that if I watch it, it's got to be one of those things I can't casually watch. I have to like really focus on it and not like be distracted by anything in the background. So that said, I kind of expected that there would be some slow episodes, but I genuinely think from start to finish, like right when I started off, it was immediately like a Usain Bolt sprint for the pace of a marathon <laughs> for like, imagine Usain Bolt sprinting as in 26 miles of that, because there was not a moment that it, like every episode was like entertaining for a different reason. There's one episode where there's not any dialogue at all. And it's literally just a chase scene, but you're in hooked in it the whole time. And the very last scene of it, it's very meta. There's a cool part where there's this gangster who like corners this lady and like is about to like uh, invade his way into her house. And then she drops an orange and then it rolls to his feet and it looks and the camera pans up to him. And he's like, I think it's time to talk. AKA like we haven't talked any at all in this episode and the way it ends on this cliffhanger of this guy invading this key character's house. And then he's like, I think it's time to talk. AKA we haven't talked the whole episode and now shit's going to go down next episode. So kind of cool things like that. And like, there's another scene, um, like, like I mentioned, the camera work is super well done. Like there's one scene in particular where, uh, Elliot hacks this chick, um, who has like essential information for this bank that he needs information on. And he used with his hacking abilities, he finds out information about her and, um, that she has, uh, has two kids and she's been on oxy, um, oxy, like, she was previously addicted to Oxy, but has been off and has been kind of like trying to stay clean. And, um, he's thinking of using the, her addiction to Oxy to kind of like get the information he needs because it's for the greater good. 
And um, at one point he tells her what he's going to do. And he's like, you're going to do this because blah, blah, blah. And um, when he first came into her apartment, she thought he was a friend. So he had two cups of coffee for her. And she's like, oh, thanks. And then in that scene, he says something like, you're going to do this because I need you to. She's like, why would I do that? I'm not going to do that. And he's like, you're going to do it or else I'll tell your boss that you're no longer clean. And then she's like, what do you mean? I've been, I'm definitely clean. I haven't done Oxy for eight years. And then the camera slowly pans to that coffee that's on the table, kind of revealing that Oxy, like he put Oxy in the coffee because he's like using this as leverage because he needs her to do it. So shit like that. It's just super well done. It's really hard to get into it without spoiling stuff. So I'll just say it's one of the most well done shows that had twists I didn't even see coming from a mile away and really redefined what you could do with the show and did some super original things. So, um, yeah, Mr. Robot season four, I might've just talked for 20 minutes or so, but highly recommend. Yeah. I just kind of gave you free reign on that one. <laughs> yeah. You got way too into it. And I'm like, all right, you know, what? I'm not going to steal thunder or make any smart ass remarks. <laughs> well, you got way too into yours. So I feel like I would match the ante of three movies. <laughs> But yeah, so just kind of add on the whole HBO thing. So you, do you know the uh, the comic book character named Spawn? Yes. So originally that, they made a cartoon on HBO and they had an initiative where they were like, all right, we're going to try, try to make more serious TV shows, right? And Spawn was one of the first things they did. But just because of the, the success of Sopranos, that they cut the entire cartoon mature budget and just solely put it on all the TV stuff. Wow. Okay. Are they making it? They're would they remaking a new movie with like Jamie Lee Fox? Jamie Fox. Yeah, I was like, who the hell is Jamie Lee Fox? I don't think Lee's his middle name. I was mixing up Jamie Lee Curtis and Jamie Fox. Uh, one's a white woman, the other one's a black man. Anyways, hey, same spirit. Wait, what? <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just short tidbit on that for the um, HBO on how the content they made and the progression on that and how they're still making, I guess, uh, progressive and very mature TV series. That should be interesting. I don't know how that's going to turn out. The movie is pretty goddamn terrible. <laughs> um, oh, for Spawn? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see on Spawn. It's still no works, still being projected, but not much has been done or completed. Oh, all right. Fair enough. So right. you want to do some more movies, Joe? Right, how many movies do you want me to go for? Since I have a total of nine. Do three. Uh, you, yeah, you can do three again, but uh, briefer. Briefer? <laughs> I, just, I just took up half the podcast. <laughs> briefer? I don't know if I can do brief. Anyways, um, I'll right, time so next you. Movie? I'll, 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 how about we do each at 90 seconds? <laughs> Wait, each movie 90 seconds? Yeah. Want to do that? Rapid fire reviews? <laughs> no. Um, so the, so All right, starting now. You have 90 seconds. <laughs> I literally just said no, and I'm not going to abide by that whatsoever. I uh, got 122. All right. <laughs> hey, you're on the clock, man. <laughs> All right. So Onward, really liked it, really enjoyed it. Family-friendly movie. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very wholesome. It's very good. I think for a lot of people who get who tear up easily, right, then this is the movie for you. Uh, I definitely did hear people who watched it. They definitely did tear up. Uh, for a lot of people, really, it's um, – it's a touching movie. It's cute. It's great. If you like Dungeons and Dragons, that's really for you. Cause right now it feels like there's been kind of this slow push right now for Dungeons and Dragons. So like, I know a kid in my college group that I help out with at my church. He started going to D and D Disney made a D and D esque movie. And they literally had like the theme straight up D and D. Um, I just kickstarted a board game like a month or two ago. That is supposed to be like a gateway to D&D related games. It's supposed to be a lot more lighthearted in that sense. Hmm. 
I don't plan on playing D&D because games can take up to weeks. And I don't really have the time or patience nor the friends that care enough to do that. But yeah, no. So it's a great movie. It's, it's, it's got a mature. Disney has done a lot more stuff with a lot more mature content. And what I mean by that, I mean themes, storylines. And so this one definitely has a lot more of a mature content. So if you come from a interesting home background with daddy issues, this movie might be for you. <laughs> okay. That went to a weird place. Um, no, I'm serious. Like, it's about the whole like because this is not a spoiler, but the the kid's dad is passed away from a illness. Ah. So like people with those kind of with a single parent home and a sibling, I think for some people this would really resonate with them, and they could be they could really enjoy it. And that's okay. Nice. It has Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. So yeah, so it's kind of weird. Like also ninety seconds are up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm not abiding by that. Oh, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, next movie uh, <laughs> is, I can't really tell, but Chris Pratt, I could definitely hear Chris Pratt. Yeah, I feel like Tom Holland's voice is pretty distinct. You couldn't tell? Well, he's also British, so uh, I've heard his interview pretty, voice. I'm pretty familiar with him in interviews just because he's known for like spoiling everything and just being a goof. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Um, do you see the whole Instagram thing about like him doing like uh, upside down wall push-ups or something like that? And then like Ryan Reynolds and somebody else I was like, what the heck? I think I did see that. I don't know what Ryan Reynolds did. Did he really just say what the heck? <laughs> and that's uh, it? I, no, he, I think he just stared and just like his reaction was just like an awkward, crooked, like, what? <laughs> yeah, I heard that was trending for a bit. I feel like Tom Holland does anything. It'll be trending for a minute just because he's that that guy right now. Like there was a face swap they did of uh, Back to the Future with him as Marty McFly and uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Doc. <laughs> and that was trending for a minute. All right, next two movies I'm going to talk about will be on the more lighthearted movies would be, um, you know, the movie Bloodshot. Yep. All right, Josh, there are 90 seconds that you're totally abiding by. <laughs> uh, this time around, probably, just because I don't have much to say. All right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, do you like action movies, Vince? Yes, I do. Okay, well, this is just a stereotypical action movie, but with Vin Diesel and supernatural powers based on nanotechnology. Okay. That's literally it about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I heard reviews weren't very good for that movie. It's very like stereotypical and like action movie by numbers. That's action movie. And and the action itself wasn't actually that good. Nothing like unique to the plot. Is that correct? It was I. Okay. It was okay. Like the fight scene was cool at the end. Um Yeah, no, I mean there's really not much to talk about this movie. <laughs> it, it's it's okay. So like right now, a lot of people are trying to copy the blueprint of Marvel where they had a ton of like standalone movies, then boom, they have this big movie with a team up. Right. And so I think this movie could have been a potential where they have a lot of these dark horse related comics or a lot of these comics that are lesser known that they definitely could, if they get the contract right and get somebody to oversee it correctly. And it could have been that, but as right now, as, as far as I know, it's not that, and it's a standalone movie. So it, it kind of brings of a, uh, so what to it right hmm. to the movie okay and so it's just for the people who aren't in the comic book world and even then it's just another action movie yeah i gotta be honest i'm not a big vin diesel fan either you know it's like it's not not that i don't like him he's just in a lot of like dunderheaded movies like fast and the furious he's that guy he was in what triple x and shit i don't know none of those movies really appealed to me um although looking at wikipedia you know who apparently was supposed to be the main character you'll love this who Jared Leto. <laughs> oh gosh, thank you for Je- for Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could have been worse at least, right? Would your rating of the movie have gone down if it was Jared Leto? 
Actually, yes. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> the thing is, like, you, you got Vin Diesel as a cast lead for an action movie, so you're walking in with, you already know what you're walking into. With Jared yeah. Leto, it's like, okay, this is this might be a train wreck. Yeah, he, he's been doing some odd choices lately. Funny enough, fun, funny side story. Did you hear about his whole, like, meditation retreat in the desert? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Uh, he came back, apparently. So he didn't know. It was no no cell phones no network and stuff like that so there's actually a few people that actually did something similar to that yeah and so when they came back to the uh, california most of these people came back to california and they realized oh we're in a quarantine we're in a yeah lockdown. it's like it's like the walking dead as <laughs> you just wake up in the world in a global pandemic it's just funny that it's just it's so classic him that he would be medit- in a meditation resort in the desert <laughs> for like no. More than a week. That's so classic Jared Leto, like just making him look like this artsy hipster douche. <laughs> I think he partially did it as therapy because he still can't get over the fact that like people hated his portrayal of Joker. I wonder if that's it. I don't know if he cares that much. I got to be honest. I mean, that was just one part of his career. He's done a lot of good shit. You know, he's won an Oscar, hasn't he? Sure. I don't know. I just I know that he's in part of 30 Seconds to Mars and I only remember him for Joker and just like, what did I just watch? He was in Fight Club actually too. Funny enough, another movie I brought up. Oh, was Dallas he Buyers, wasn't he in Dallas Buyers Club too? That other movie that like critics loved. Oh, I didn't watch that. Oh, I guess he was. Yeah. People did like it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think he was dressed up as a woman. You just had to do something eccentric like that to win an award, it seems like. Oh, right. He's casted for Morbius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we okay. talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, so people who don't know what Morbius is, is basically the vampire uh, lore behind in the Marvel comics. So that, that might be tied in. Yeah, I wasn't feeling that movie too much. I don't know. Well, it's know. not out yet, so... I know, at least for the trailer, though. It's just, I don't know. There's a trailer? Oh, my gosh, there's a trailer. Jeez, where have you been, John? <laughs> Under a rock? You call yourself a nerd. There's nothing else to do but be on YouTube nowadays, man. <laughs> um, all right, so oh. next movie I want to talk about is Birds of Prey. Oh, shit, yeah, that's a good one. All right, what'd you think, Ja? Good action scenes. That's it? <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> Harley Quinn, so attractive, no? <laughs> so, it, it's supposed to be a dynamic movie in the sense of like you have an asian actually an asian american director i believe um you have Kathy, she's yeah. female yeah yeah a female asian american director you have mm-hmm. an all-female lead cast superheroes so marvel something that marvel hasn't done yet which the the actresses in marvel movies are trying to push for hasn't been done yet dc did it first and sweet everybody like almost every girl that i know who is to some degree of a nerd and also very like women empowerment was super hyped on this movie. Mm. And then I never heard anything from them again after this movie came out. <laughs> um, I, I actually heard dead silent. Wow. Interesting. That's, I had a very different experience. I didn't hear anything about this movie period. I heard like, I saw like one trailer with no hype for it before it came out. And then the critics reviews I heard that were like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. It's casually good. Like a B. Would you give and, it a B? It, uh, Maybe a C because, um, because you hate women, you sexist, misogynist pig. I'm sorry, no, but um, it's how, how do I put this? It just feels so. Sometimes when you watch a movie, and at the end of the day, all I can say is, "So what?" Yeah, this movie was kind of that category. So it was supposed to be kind of like a whole. I'm Harley Quinn, and I just broke free from the Joker. I'm my own woman, and I'm part of this new team of. Uh, women right yeah it okay. just felt kind of just forced a little bit yeah yeah i could see that there's a fine line between like 
making a movie about an actual character who has a legit plot line and feeling like there's a forced agenda that they're trying to push on you. And when it's forced, it's very, audiences are very easy to push that away. You know, like, like one example, like my, uh, bringing up my brother again, like he hates Wonder Woman, hates the shit out of that movie. I loved Wonder Woman. In my opinion, it didn't feel at all forced. It felt like it was like this natural, this character naturally is a woman and it's telling her story. So I'm fine with it. It's not like they said like, girls ruled the world like a million times in the movie and like shoved it in your face that a guy couldn't do anything good. It was just literally the main character is the woman. So focus on that. Whereas my brother thought it had kind of more of a forced agenda going on. Same thing with Captain Marvel, but I get, well, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel more so compared yeah. to Wonder Woman. Yeah. More so, but Wonder Woman did a very, okay. What I appreciate about Wonder Woman is that like, correct me if I'm mistaken. I do recall her kind of like presenting herself, but also like around small children and stuff like that. And kind of like being that hero. And I'm like, cool you're a role model i respect that i dig that yeah and then with captain marvel i'm just like cool marvel's forcing it <laughs> yeah that that one was definitely more forced but I, I at the same time i actually didn't feel like it was i was it didn't feel too forced to me in a weird way you know what i mean it wasn't i try to think of a good example of a movie where it felt like the agenda was forced but of course can't think of one um but yeah and, well i mean yeah so like harley quinn's um birds of prey it if it said Harley Quinn's Birds of Prey, cool. Instead, the whole title was The Emancipation Something of Harley Quinn Something Something. Like, yeah, people birds, just gave up on just birds, trying to memorize the title. Birds of Prey and the fab, fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. It's <laughs> too fucking long of a title. Yeah. And so, like, I get and I, I realize that they've tried to change their marketing to fit just Harley Quinn Birds of Prey. It was a little, it was kind of like the damage was done. And it's just really like going back on, if you listen to our podcast, you know that I'm, I've said this before. Marvel has Kevin Feige. What does DC have? And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. You don't know the DC figure. I, I could never guess who the, like the head of DC movies is. Though I mean, it used to be Zack Snyder. He, he was supposed oh, to be that person. That's why. <laughs> but then, but things that, Okay, minus, I mean, we're not going to get into that rabbit hole, but after that, there was nothing after that. And that's the thing is that, well, it's just now disjointed. And so you have something that had so much potential, and then at the end it came out as, uh, I enjoyed it. No, some of the fight scenes, I will have to admit, was fantastic. It was great. It's nice. the best fight work I've seen in an wow. action movie. Sure, every fight. If you're So I know a guy, you won't he'll ruin action movies for you because he dissects it and he's like, you know what? That's the same gun uh, sound bit used in every gun, uh, every gun scene. I'm over it. Is he the one we saw Spider-Man with? <laughs> no. Okay, just joking. <laughs> uh, it was a different person. And so I'm like, I appreciate that you are a smart kid in that sense, but... You're ruining the movie. <laughs> you you can stop talking now. <laughs> yeah, and I get that. Some, there's got to be a suspension of disbelief where you just like, at the end of the day, there's going to be flaws, but just like, isn't it about enjoying it? Right. Well, you know, like, I mean, that's why we have, uh, was a cinema sins. Yeah. On YouTube. Yeah. Right? And honest. Like for a reason. And yeah, there's always going to be people pointing out flaws, but everyone's degree to like, which the two, whether they're okay with certain flaws varies, but yeah, I think, to me, my thing is sometimes I'll like try to like overlook issues. I just want to enjoy a movie. You know, that's my goal. But it seems like some people just like 
just live to be trolls and like wanting to hate on movies and just not be entertained. Not, not you I'm saying, <laughs> but uh, like some people out there. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I really enjoyed the fight scene. Just don't pick it. Just don't pick this movie. Just turn off your brain, watch it. Yeah. Uh, understand that it's probably not going to be the best movie you've seen, but appreciate the common theme that I've had with these movies. I'm talking about is there's something to appreciate it. If you appreciate it, go ahead and enjoy it. Leave it at that. Let's be real. A lot of these movies that come out in theaters, they're going to be hot garbage. Yeah, if most are. Yeah, yeah, but that's fair. I heard the similar. I heard a similar kind of reaction. So I think you're pretty much. I'm pretty much in alignment on most of your opinions on these movies so far. So was that three? Yes. All right. Definitely not ninety seconds, but <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, yeah. So I'll talk about a TV show. So uh, you ever watch Ozark, Joe? Oh my gosh, I've heard so many people talk about it. Yeah, that's why I started watching this because I heard a lot of people talking about it. Specifically, the third season, which was just recently re- ah, recently released, and good timing too. Because if you want a TV show to come out, I feel like this is really prime time <laughs> for getting ratings during this period of life that we're living. So, um, yeah, Ozark season one and two. For anyone who's not familiar with the show, it stars Jason Bateman of Arrested Development lore. Um, Laura Lenny, she's a famous actress. She's his wife. Um, they have two kids. And basically, uh, Jason Bateman, just a regular family man. One small minor detail secret, he uh, launders money for the drug cartel. <laughs> so, uh, But he's trying to keep up appearances and like have a normal life, but that's kind of how he funds the money for his family. And uh, basically, chaos ensues, and uh, to get away from current issues they're having with uh, the cartel and whatnot, they uh, move to the Ozarks, which is in... Um, it's kind of a swampish. It's kind of stereotype as a swampish area in not sw- sorry. I shouldn't say swampish. It's more just kind of a lot of lakes and rivers near uh, Missouri. And that's where they move. And it's kind of stereotyped as a bit more of a Southern area where there's a lot of Southern accents. Apparently not the case because uh, my girlfriend is from Missouri and says uh, she's been to the Ozarks and it's not really the case. Just kind of a little bit more of a natural area, you know, a lot of nature and rivers and things like that. It's funny uh, that I have a professor from the Ozark and he always talks about it. He's like, in the Ozark, it's like this and that, but he doesn't have a Southern accent. Yeah, exactly. So, but he does so, make it sound kind of a little rundown. Yeah, totally. It's just more nature, natural-ish. <laughs> I don't know what word I'm looking for, but you get it, hopefully. Um, yeah, so he goes there and the, the, first, the first season – they're staying, they get this like house deal as long as they live with an older guy. Um, he get, they get a super cheap deal. He won't bother them. And he's like on his last leg of life, basically. I don't know why exactly he lets them in. So they live there. His name's buddy. And then, uh, first and second season there, it's kind of them just getting like acquiesced to the culture, um, and kind of interacting with the Mexican drug cartel and actor interacting and making new connections with the people in the Ozarks. And it's kind of like a breaking bad where there's a lot of drug money, a lot of illegal stuff going on. It's kind of like a game of cat and mouse with the cops trying to on their, uh, on their tail and whatnot. So uh, overall solid. I, I really don't think first and second season were anything groundbreaking per se, but it's like enjoyable. It's like nothing that I would like think to rewatch, but like it's, it's fine. Jason, but I think, it's definitely really dark. It's kind of funny because Jason Bateman's character is pretty much exactly the same as he is in Arrested Development. So uh, it's kind of that, but just set, a, set against this super dark setting. And uh, like, think like I remember one scene in particular, like there's a drug dealer who calls him um, on a, like uh, something about uh, something that he did. And he fucked up a drug dealer calls him and Jason Bateman takes the call in this like family home setting. And the drug dealer says some threat like, 
I'm going to peel the flesh off your family if you don't blah, 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 do this. And then Jason Bateman's just like, all right, well, I don't really know what to say to that. <laughs> like just to, like typical Jason Bateman, like one style of delivery, just calm white dude never shows that he likes like shock or um, just any other emotion than just being Jason Bateman. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so going into season three, um, it got a lot better reviews in the past two seasons. So uh, I was kind of expecting it to be a lot better. Um, for some context, the first two seasons both were in the 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. Third season, 96%. So uh, I was thinking they really stepped up their game. I had a coworker who like specifically swore by it and said it was like like really good and just one of the best like seasons of TV. And I don't know, maybe it was too overhyped, but um, for me it was just kind of eh, it's good. It's like it definitely is a little better, but like nothing that I would like think to rewatch like there's some oh shit moments there's some funny moments good characters but uh maybe it's just because i watched mr robot so closely to it but i don't know it was okay that's that's my review i give it like a b b minus yeah i mean for me it's just i heard a lot of people that said that it's a really good movie it's like a hybrid of of uh breaking bad and something else can't remember yeah. exactly what they said but either way it was like a hybrid it's like if you enjoyed Breaking Bad, you'll enjoy this. I've had um I was also curious about Jason Bateman's acting because like I've seen him in other stuff and he's more in the comedic role. And this is my first time seeing him in like a serious role, at least for me personally. And so I'm like, all right, cool. I'm curious how he would do. And I've heard good things about this, nothing bad. So yeah. Yeah, it's like it's not offensive. It's just one of those shows that's it's just not super, super memorable and rewatchable, in my opinion. Jason, I'll say Jason Bateman is a good actor in that he like plays the role well it doesn't feel like he's like goofy comedian in the middle of this but it's just he's kind of not doing a whole lot of different things than he would be in Arrested Development in terms of his personality he's just kind of like subtly adapting to the tone but like still kind of being himself if that makes sense <laughs> yeah I could see that yeah but I don't know overall I give it like a B so yeah Fair enough. Was like, all right the last three movies I'll talk about I'll talk about um actually how will I talk about this all right I'll take I'll say two movies I relatively enjoyed to some degree and one movie I absolutely hated. <laughs> All right. I'm ready All right. for those. Ben Affleck, I think is a phenomenal actor. I think he's um the best Batman to ever grace the screen. <laughs> yeah, actually that's my opinion. <laughs> really? Okay. Well, we're not gonna get into that because I hard disagree there. But anyways. But we won't go there this time. But then um so he did have a new movie called The Way Back. Um, if you like sports, if you want to feel good about yourself in a sense of like a feel good movie, this is it. You want something else other than that? This is not it. I enjoy this because I enjoy the sport of basketball. I enjoy the potential they can bring a community and guys together or nearly kill each other. One, the two will happen. <laughs> and so, I mean, I play with guys that take it with too seriously. And oh my gosh, those people really need to shut the hell up and calm down. I it's just a it. damn game. Yeah. I've also played with other players that are just like, I had fun. I don't care if I won, but I had fun. <laughs> um, Fair enough. I played with both. But so this is just that. And then I, I enjoyed the sport of basketball. Go Lakers. We could have been our year. Screw you guys. I don't care. But um, I'll give it to you. You guys would have probably had it if this thing hadn't happened. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. So it's a feel good movie. And so, like every other feel good movies, you know that, oh, the protagonist had some dark past and he just needs to overcome this kind of deal. It is that. I'll admit it. But hey, it's fun. It's Ben Affleck. Uh, you know that it's another A-lister actor that has done also wonderful work in other movies. Um, and some not so good work. <laughs> uh, 
he probably has done bad stuff, but what nothing comes to mind right now. Geely? <laughs> you ever seen that? Which one? Geely. There's probably a reason why I don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> it's him and uh, Jennifer Lopez. That's it's it's like a notoriously unlike the worst list of movies of all time. <laughs> the fact that you just threw in Jennifer Lopez, of course, she's not known for acting. She's known for dancing and singing. Well, she was actually funny enough. You mentioned that she was in that movie recently where I uh, got really high reviews. I forget what it was called, Hustlers, something like that. Oh, so I yeah, just I, I'm just here to contradict you, Jeff. <laughs> um. Just kidding. Before I become judgmental, moving on to the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> the Gentleman. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, I'm curious about this. Okay. Bring it on. So it, it's, it's kind of like Midway. It just feels like it flowed kind of weird. Okay. Um, and the way some characters were portrayed, it was just kind of portrayed a little bit weird. So when they said, this is the main antagonist, just kidding. This is not the main antagonist. Mm. As the pro- story progressed. Some twists. It was not really a, I guess it was supposed to be a twist, but it was just a, okay, well, I probably could have seen that mile away or wait, that's the twist. Wait, really? You're kidding, right? Like could have been better. <laughs> it's kind of a uh, not so satisfactory twist. Oh yeah. Okay. And, but what I do appreciate about this is it's another movie that has awesome cast, right? So you have Matthew McConaughey, you have Henry Goding, you have uh, Colin Farrell, you had Hugh Grant. Um, Michelle Dockery. Uh, actually, I'm not familiar who Michelle Dockery is. She was on uh, the, what's that goddamn show? Fuck. Ah, uh, that soap opera. Uh, Down Abbey. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> she looks kind of hot in this movie. <laughs> That's all I have to contribute. And so it's seeing a lot of these actors, and especially for Hugh Grant, seeing him in a different role because he's usually like I'm looking at him right now. He's always in a rom com. Yeah, this is my first much. time seeing him in a serious movie, and he's just kind of a dick. Um. So yeah, so it, it, it's it's kind of like seeing like oh, it's seeing an actor in a different light, which is super nice. Yeah. Um, he was actually originally supposed to be Doctor Who. Fun fact. <laughs> oh really? Oh nice. Yeah. Okay. That could have changed his career. Yeah, but also at the same time, I really do appreciate this cast. I really appreciate some of the acting that was involved in this movie. But in terms of the story, it was like midway where it just it kind of flowed like it's like you're driving on a smooth road and all of a sudden you're driving on a bumpy road and there's a speed bump ahead. That's what it felt like. Oh, okay. I guess that's the best, best way to describe it. It looked really good in the trailers. Every time I saw a movie, it felt like the gentleman was always the trailer being shown. (laughs) No, I had, I had such high anticipation for this movie because they had Henry Golding and I was super excited, but uh, just at the end of the day, just flowed kind of weird. Oh yeah, Henry Gold. I was wondering who he is, but he's been he was in uh that uh Crazy Rich Asians and then the one with Amelia Clark, right? Yeah, and then he was also one with Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick and basically made out with all my current celebrity crushes and I currently hate him <laughs> and envy him whatsoever. Nice. And okay. he has a gorgeous wife. Hey, fair enough. Sounds like he's doing pretty good. He is doing phenomenally well right now, and I'm still <laughs> envious. <laughs> um yeah, we all got that person. Yeah, but, uh, so I, I appreciate in that sense where it's amazing cast, but you're going to want to turn off your brain for this one because it's another movie that had trouble sticking its landing and such. Okay, fair enough. All right. And then you got one movie left? The last movie I want to talk about. The you one probably you know what it is. It's the one that I hated the most because people hyped it up way too much that I'm just like, this is the most anticlimactic movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it better not be the one I'm thinking. <laughs> it is the one you're thinking of. 
This is probably where the, our debate can finally happen. All um, right. Right at the end when all our listeners have gone away because of my 20 minute Mr. Robot debate. <laughs> Uncut gems. Ah, he said it. He said it, people. What do I do? Ah, all right. Okay. All right, Josh, take your case. I've had friends that said this is the most anxiety driven movie and it deserved to be nominated for an Oscar for best movie of the year. I have friends that claim that and I'm like, okay, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I've been watching movies with you guys. I think I have a general sense of what your taste. And after that, watching this movie, I question those friends and I will (laughs) never trust anything they say that comes out of their mouths pertaining to movies. Am I included in this list? (laughs) No. Okay, cool. I never, I didn't say it was, I don't agree with that. It's like the most anxiety ridden movie movie ever. So yeah, I think that's a little overhyped. I asked them like, what's so great about this movie? And they said, it's just so anxiety driven. Like you just don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's in that sense. And when I watched it, I watched a good hour of it. And I just sat there and just thought what's happening. Like I get what's happening, but like it goes back on what I mentioned earlier. So what? What's the point of this plot? It's an overdone motif. Another person making bad choices, bad choices. But this time, it's the other overdone motif of gambling. It's just another gam- just another gambler making bad decisions. The only difference is that we invited Kevin Garnett, a basketball player. It was the only redeeming quality for me because going <laughs> back, I enjoy basketball. He should have um, really got the Oscar. I think he was the best performance <laughs> playing Kevin and, Garnett. Yeah. And so for a lot of people, it's like, well, you got to appreciate the fact that it's Adam Sandler going out of his shell. He's not doing his dumb comedy routines. Like, um, what's the parent comedy movie? Um, 50 First Dates. No, Jack no, 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 no. Grown Ups. Grown Ups. Okay. It's not like Grown Ups. It's not like um, the Netflix movies that he's been making recently. It's something mature. It's such great acting. Yeah, I mean, if you're grading a movie on that, yeah, sure. I, I give him an A for good job for going outside of your realm of acting. <laughs> but yeah. movie as a whole, for me, it's, well, I just watched an hour of it and the rest of it is just watching a gambler's addiction going, <clears throat> like, making poor choices every step of the way. Like, what am I supposed to take from this? Gambling's bad, sure. Love your family, sure. Um... Uh, just entertainment. I don't know. Here's the thing. I, I have a question. If um, if your friends hadn't hyped it up as like the most anxiety-driven movie, do you think you still would have had that opinion, or do you think you would have been like, yeah, it's okay? I probably would have gone through it. Okay. Did you finish it? I didn't. I gave up. I went to watch a bad anime. I went to watch <laughs> an anime that I'll admit is legitimately trash because I had more fun watching that than this. Damn. I think. I don't know, man. I don't know if you can review a movie if you haven't finished it. I think. The ending might change your mind a bit. I ended up reading the rest of the story and I'm like, ah, it's never the same. You got to see it. You know, <laughs> I ended up reading the rest of it. And I'm like, Oh yeah. It just follows literally what I said. A person making bad decisions the entire time on overdone motifs. But this time it's just on an actor who's never done or explored this before. That's the only difference. Well, funny enough, apparently Daniel day Lewis actually called Adam Sandler and said it was one of the best performances he's ever seen. <laughs> Uh, at the end of the day, I just watch it. I'm like, all right, I'm just watching another guy making horrible decisions. What other movie is like that? Oh, wait, <laughs> a lot of them. And it just well, becomes like this. It, it's it's a common motif of like, okay, I made one bad decision that snowballs, and I hope I can fix this. But in, instead of 
of okay spoiler alert of a happy ending for this one things just kind of hit the fan and just leaves it at that yeah pretty much i will yeah so i i'll respect the fact that sure adam sandler probably should have gotten nominated for best acting in the sense of like he finally went out of his realm and it showed that he can do something different than just bad comedy roles from his better comedy roles Uh uh-huh but that's it like for the people that said this should have been nominated for best picture shoot yourselves just shoot yourselves wow okay i don't advocate that (laughs) i don't advocate that but don't (laughs) talk ever again to me all right that's a little strong but (laughs) um yeah well, here's the thing. I so I I will admit I do think the like tension filled scenes trope is a little done of like people making bad decisions and just thinking, oh, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? That's almost every other movie nowadays, you know, with just people making bad decisions and it being kind of painful. And I think the key is making bad decisions in a way where you empathize with that person. You feel like the bad decision is the only decision they can make. Or sometimes you're just amused by the bad decisions they make and thinking like, how could somebody continually do this? But when it gets unrealistic, I think that's when we kind of tap out a bit. That said, um, I don't know. I didn't go in like thinking this was like the greatest movie of all time. I just heard it was a really well done movie. Um, so that for me, it was just entertaining. I don't know. I just thought it was like Adam Sandler true. He wasn't like, like doing a Daniel day Lewis, like method acting thing, but I just thought his character was appealing and he was like making bad decisions, but he was, I thought the camera directing was done in a real, really, uh, well done way where it followed him the whole time. And, his uh, acting was good enough where I was invested in what he's doing and felt like he was a real gruff New York guy. And um, the uh, bad decisions that he made, they, I, I, I thought they were dumb at the time, but I also like thought this was a legit case of like a gambling addict and they were portraying that well, where at first he didn't look necessarily like a gambling addict. And because you kind of liked him and he had a like friendly kind of like approachable person, you kind of wanted to see him do good decisions. But then the fact that he never did, like kind of made you feel pain like oh god come on you can make this better um but yeah i don't know i mean i just didn't kind of expect like academy award-winning movies or like the greatest tension film movie ever i just remember it being a good movie so i was like yeah or i just remember hearing that it was a good movie so that was my only expectation i thought the directing and cinematography also added a lot to it and um i don't know i just thought it was casually good i give it an a minus I think for me, so like the movies that I did watch, like for example, Midway and The Gentleman, right? These are movies that I walked in like, okay, these are personal movies that I, I saw one trailer, enjoy the cast, all right, let's go. Uncut Gemmins started out that way. Yeah. But then it be, it's like you said that like, I probably would have finished it and probably would treat it a lot better had it not been other people hyping it up. And like, no, these people didn't say that it should have won best movie, but it should have been nominated. It should have been recognized a lot more. Yeah. And after watching it, I'm like, this this doesn't deserve to be nominated because when you think of like something that should be nominated for best picture, you're thinking that's something that hasn't been done before. Granted, mm. like you can argue that a lot of movies have overdone tropes because yeah. it's difficult to do that. But at the same time, if you're having a movie with a twist or you're having movies that are done in a different way, so like 1917. So I have a friend, the same friend that said that Uncut Gems is the greatest movie ever. Or he didn't say that. He said that this is a really, really great movie. Yeah. Um, he said 1917 is stupid because it's just another war movie. And the only difference about it is that it's shot in one panel, like one camera. Like, Yeah, one shot. What's so great about that? Same guy that said the same thing. Hmm. And I'm thinking, well, that's different. Nobody's done that. Yeah. And it's also like a good story and the acting was good too. That 
made it so much better. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, well, movies are a form of art, or at least in Academy Awards, not personal perspectives, Rotten Tomatoes, that aside. So it's kind of like, okay, these movies have got to do something different. Yeah. And so for me, it's, okay, you just hyped this as this should have been nominated for an Academy Award. You hyped this up as the most anxiety-driven movie. But I'm like, every step of this was predictable for this entire hour that I watched. And none of it was different. Nothing shown that it did something different. So like other movies that done well and even cult classics has those twists and turns. So anything from the old days of like Basic Instincts, Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs, and like Pulp Fiction, they've done something different. They have these twists. Yeah. Uh, usual suspects. They've done these movies, I think, deserve to be known because they've done different things and excelled at th- these new groundbreaking movies. Whereas then, Uncut Gems is all right, let's stay safe. Let's do all these things that people like. Well, and that's, that's, that's what Uncut Gems became for me. But had I walked in, like you said, knowing less and not somebody hyping it up, so like a uh, Dark Knight. A lot of people hyped it up for me. So I watched that like a month or two after it came out. Okay. People told me this is the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And I walked in and I'm like, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> you sound seriously like, like off your, like off your footing. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's good. Yeah. And then, but now that I'm an adult and I rewatched it again, I'm like, Oh, this movie is a lot more complex. So I appreciate it differently. But walking okay. in as a, teenager at the time i'm like there was not much action yeah funny well dark knight's its own debate i actually like dark knight rises in batman again batman begins more than dark knight funny enough, oh so. i mean christopher Nolan made it more of a mature movie so it, it became more of a mature movie as opposed to a s- superhero action movie that's mildly disagree but that's a whole nother topic we can get into <laughs> i mean compared to like a lot of mildly disagree movies. but that's a whole nother topic we get into <laughs> All right, fine, whatever. That's a whole Anyways. other. Uh, so but yeah, it's, no. it's one of those things where it's like if people overhyped it for me. Yeah, I'm like, all right, it has better be what you just said. And I come out of it, and I'm like, I don't ever want to listen to your opinion again. <laughs> that's what it became. Well, I think the, to me that's more a reflection on your expectations rather than the movie. Like if you, so if you saw it again without the people saying that, do you think you would give it a B? I need somebody to watch it with me or else I'm literally going to do anything else. <laughs> okay. This feels like an incomplete review to me. I think maybe someday. All right. Next time we can uh, actually, this is a complete podcast. damn review. <laughs> nah, I don't think so. Uh, we will have to, uh, I feel like next time when the social quarantine's over, we should have a podcast episode where we watch uncut gems <laughs> and live stream that. And then we get the full hot take opinion. <laughs> we live stream it and you just, pan the camera over to me and i'm passed out (laughs) or you're just like looking pissed off the whole time with your arms like crossed (laughs) because i still don't enjoy it (laughs) yeah i don't know another movie that people hyped up for me was hunger games and i can uh proudly say never saw any of those (laughs) uh for the best to be honest at this point um yeah exactly so i asked people hey what's hunger games about and people said oh uh you know the movie battle royale yeah it's inspired from that uh, it's a Japanese movie where they have a bunch of Japanese delinquent kids to basically kill themselves uh, in a battle royal format as a form of punishment to discipline them and integrate them back into society. That's what the premise is. Mm. Hunger Games is dystopian future, a little bit different, but 
throw them into a community or into a, a war thing, right? Yeah. And yeah, so people told me it's just that. And when I finally did watch it, I was like, wait, where's the action? So, yeah. Okay. Well, to me, I think personally, this might be a mild piece of advice, but just uh, movies like that, you should, uh, I don't know, maybe you should take a little less, take opinions that you hear more with a grain of salt. Because I hear opinions, but I feel like I like to think it doesn't influence me like super dramatically. Like Ozark is one example. A lot of people said it was really, really good. And even like putting that aside that other people not said that, I probably would have still said that it's just like an okay thing. It's not amazing, but it's not bad by any means. It's good. It's just casually good. But I don't know. Maybe you should just like when you hear those opinions, just say, fuck you guys. I'm going to make my own opinion. Bitches. That's exactly what you should say. (laughs) I think for me, I'm just not going to listen to other people's opinions anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much what I said, right? <laughs> it, it, it goes back on my the lessons I learned after ex, for myself after understanding other people's opinions and leaving my quote unquote bubble. I'm gonna go back to my bubble because I hate everyone else's. <laughs> exactly, that's that's the way to do it. But uh, yeah, since we're pretty close to the podcast time, I'm gonna cram in the music that I have been digging recently. Shoot, uh, cool. All right, so Trivium. Are you familiar with the band Trivium? Just heavy metal. Yes. Uh, very heavy. Um, yeah. So they have a new album coming out. Technically this album doesn't come out for another week, but, uh, they've been releasing, they've released three songs from it so far and where they're at as a band, I'm very, very fucking excited for it. Cause it's their ninth album. And it's one of the trivium are one of those bands that I've been there since day one type of thing. Well, they, they album two, I guess you could say as soon as their second album came out, like 2005, I got really into them. And so that band you always wanted to, succeed and do well and um they've it's been a very entertaining career that they've had because they've they they're not the band that have done the same thing every album every album has done the opposite and been very distinct some albums have been a complete polar opposite shift from the previous album just to try to shake things up some albums have had like more of a distinct theme other albums have had more of a combination of themes they've tried out in previous albums but the last album they released before this one was in 2017 and that um, was when they also had a new drummer who fun fact is younger than us and way more talented than anything we will ever be at with the drums. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Cause this dude, that a reflection that we're not talented. Cause I'm not going to get uh, dark that way, but it's a reflection on how insanely talented this guy is. He's just insanely technical. Never looks like he's uh, exhausted or tired or fatigued in any way. And just playing just a mile a minute type of thing. And his drums really excel the band to like, new kind of like technical feats that they couldn't previously do with past drummers. So they're in a really good place. And that last album was kind of them finding themselves like eight albums in as a band. And this album is that to the next level. Um, So the three songs that I've heard so far have that kind of vibe to them, just really technical, really big, really long, a lot of elements to them. Really interesting. You got your streaming for the more aggressive moments. You got your clean vocals for the more sing-along moments. You got like the really technical, heavy guitar riffs played super precisely and super tightly. And uh, it's got a really nice title. What the Dead Men Say. <laughs> That's the title. Dead and, Men Tells No Tales. Yeah, it's something along those lines, I think. Um, I'm just going to read off the titles on this album just to give you a feel for the type of uh, vibe you can expect from this album. So let's see. As I stall. Ready for this job? Go. What the Dead Men Say 2020. As I'm still pulling up the album. Oh, I thought that was the actual like, the title name. 
Oh, <laughs> no. I'm just trying to stall while... Okay, now I got it. Track one, What the Dead Men Say. Track two, Catastrophist. Track three, Amongst the Shadows and the Stones. Track five, four, Bleed Into Me. Track five, The Defined. Track six, Sickness Unto You. Track seven, Scattering the Ashes. Track eight, Bending the Ark to Fear. Track nine, The Ones We Leave Behind. <laughs> really nice titles, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> normal. Actually, I mean, very normal. Well, normal for us. I think normal, not for other people. <laughs> oh, I was like, this is pretty normal to me. Yeah, <laughs> pretty dark. Pretty dark, I'd say. But uh, yeah, really big fan of it. Comes out next Thursday. Have a lot of good hopes. Hoping not to get disappointed like you were with Uncut Gems. <laughs> hoping it's a knockout of the park, like I'm um, kind of hoping and expecting it to be. Uh, other than that, Strokes, are you a fan of them? Uh, I've heard of some of their songs, but I mean, like, I wouldn't say that I'm a fan. That's fair. They're, uh, I don't think they're an offensive band by any means. I've kind of thought they were overrated over time, but uh, the last album, really big fan of. Ooh, um, Change Man. I know, yeah. They're, they're not an offensive band. Like I said, they're a casual kind of garage rock band, but it's not like they're not your kind of, uh, I don't know, some bands take a drastic kind of unique sound, and I think that can alienate more people than others and get them a lot of haters. Like, for example, Imagine Dragons, they take a lot of unique styles in their sound, and as a result, I hate them <laughs> because of the choices they make. I think they're shit. Strokes, I feel like nothing in their sound is that drastic. It's kind of, for lack of a better word, what's well, a nice, nicer way of saying plain? <laughs> <laughs> more just kind of straightforward i guess um they have a new album called the new abnormal has really cool album artwork uh one of the songs bad decision sounds a lot like uh that 80s song let's stop the world and melts with you that one. Oh, okay yeah 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 so uh the, the, the album itself has some good variety i don't know it's kind of it's very good like studying kind of music i found it's very relaxing very chill but got some a little bit of a back beat to it and uh the last track is called ode to the mets i've been obsessed with this song i think it's fucking great it's very it's like have you ever heard my way by frank sinatra no but we're talking about the new york mets yeah ode to the mets yeah it's like because they're from new york so it's it was kind of a working title about the mets at first they were kind of joking that (laughs) it'd be the song that they play after every time the mets lose (laughs) it'd be like the anthem anytime the mets lose a game they play that song damn um that'd be funny but um yeah, no, it's just a very big anthemic. Like, if you ever feel nostalgia about something ending or, like, looking back on something you get, like, nostalgic for, this is the perfect song to do it for. Personally, it's fitting because I really got into it around the time of that Mr. Robot finale. So I've been, like, imagining that Mr. Robot finale with this song. It just fits super perfectly and just gives you some good feels and good vibes. So, uh, yeah, highly recommend the album. Highly recommend the song Ode to the Mets. So, uh, yeah, that's what I've been listening to, Joe. I think you persuade me to go and check out that song, actually. I'm actually interested. Yeah, you should, man. Hey, if we can do a 90-minute podcast and one thing I say persuades you, I think that's a fucking success. <laughs> oh, gosh, should we really do a 90-minute podcast? Oh, we almost did a 90-minute podcast. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I think we've talked all that we can for the next day and a half. That's inaccurate. <laughs> All right. With that said, thank you for listening to our pandemic review on content that we have witnessed during this time to keep us sane and entertained. Hope you guys will take some enlightenment from what we've witnessed and seen and enjoy. That was really smooth, Ja. Good job. (laughs) Thank you. With that said, (laughs) signing off is Ja and Vince. See ya. Bye.